Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. We're back for episode 176 to be joined by Scott Ashmore. Scott, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. Yeah, delighted to have you, man. Scott, you're the co-founder of Pitch Edit, and we'll get into that in a bit, but typical fashion of the shows, we kind of, you're going to correct me. Pitched it. <laughs> Pitched it. Thank you very yeah. much. Um, we typically start with your early days, and then we work our way towards Pitched It. So what I know about you is that you went to secondary school in Black Rock, but take me back a bit further. Where did you grow up, and what was life like when you were growing up? Yeah, so I was born in Dublin. Um born in Glenageary and didn't spend too long there um, and I went to school in Killer Grange which is um, just down in Dean's Grange which was great um, I don't have huge amount of memories of school my main memories is just playing football really um, which I loved um, and was actually awarded a trophy by Mick McCarthy well wow. funnily enough um, for most improved player of the year which was amazing to, to get that from him um, but yeah school was great um, and I actually went to, after Kill the Grange, I, I went into Wesley College, um, which I really didn't like at all. Um, I think it was because my sister went there and she wasn't the best behaved student. So I immediately got that, uh, the same treatment from all the teachers. So yeah, I just didn't really enjoy it very much. Um, and yeah, I ended up moving to Blackrock in, in third year or fourth year, um, which I loved because I knew a few lads there from hanging around in, in Deer Park back when I was a... Uh, a troublesome teenager. What football team do you support? I used to support Arsenal. I was a diehard Arsenal fan, but I, as soon as Arsenal kind of lost their way, I just kind of fell in love with football. Mm. Um, I kind of shifted my my love for sport over to rugby. Um, and yeah, that was that. That was the end of football for me. Solid. So let's focus on just after BlackRock, you went to university and you studied business and entrepreneurship in Dunleary. Uh, two questions here. One, what influenced you to choose that course? Was there anything in your early days or was business a subject that you just excelled at through secondary school? And then two, I know you never completed that course. What prompted you to drop out of that course? Yeah, I mean, I've always been in love with business. Um, I've always had things kind of on the go when I was growing up. I think when uh, the first very first iPhones came out, kind of saw an opportunity there because they were incredibly expensive in Ireland. They weren't even available in Ireland. So I managed to convince my parents to give me a loan of, of two grand and ended up buying a lot of 10 iPhones on eBay um, shipped them over from America and sold them for sold them for around four or five grand, got myself an iPhone and, and a bit of profit there and paid my parents back. Um, I actually started a drop shipping company from eBay as well. So I'd buy products from China. I would just take in orders and, and send on the orders, but it didn't last too long because it turned out I was selling um, bad copies of Adobe uh, Photoshop and I, I got a lot of complaints for that. So I had to shut that down pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, the love for business was always there, and, and my dad was actually an entrepreneur as well. He started a, a software company selling selling payroll software to, to companies in Ireland. Um, so I kind of was always around it, and and that's another thing with computers. My dad was a programmer, so always grew up around computers, and always had a love for computers from a very young age. Um, so they were the kind of two loves I had: business and computers. Um, my first choice was actually computer science in college, but I um I just yeah schools was not my forte. I, I just didn't get the points for that. But uh, then the second choice was obviously business entrepreneurship and IADT. And unfortunately, I, I managed to get that course. So 
um yeah i really enjoyed it it was, it was great uh, i was there for for two or three years i think it was i think I, I think i actually dropped out twice i did one year dropped out ended up doing sales job in um gaelic telecom in sandyford for a couple of months and uh, i think pretty quickly i realized this isn't for me um so i quit that job and, and signed back up for college again and then went through two years of college and and i was enjoying it but at the same time i was i always had that love for computers on the side so i was always I was probably focused more on computers than I was on the actual business not sure of course um, and kind of just teach myself like design and Photoshop I, I actually built my first website when I was around 12 years old um, because I was in love with a game called Quake 3 Arena I'm not sure if you've heard of it but kind of one of the first multiplayer online games um, and there was kind of clans based on that so we had a team of people and we needed a website so I had to teach myself kind of HTML and CSS and I built a website and put it up there um, so that was a lot of fun um, but then, yeah, I ended up, I was kind of way more focused on computers and, and I wanted to move to Vancouver. So I, I just kind of dropped out of college um, and, and started organizing moving to Vancouver and, and ended up moving to Vancouver for two years and really just doing odd jobs and stuff while I was there, construction stuff and, and landscaping, things like that, mm. um, while teaching myself computers at the same time, teach myself how to code. And fortunately, after two years, I was given the opportunity for an internship in London. Um, through a friend of my sister's, um, a design internship, which I jumped at. So I left Vancouver, um, moved to London and did that. And I was actually sat beside a programmer in that. Well, I was supposed to be doing design, but just watching him, I was like, I'm, I'm way more interested in what he's doing coding. And um, so just ended up getting him to teach me how to code and did that for five months. And then fortunately managed to land a job at high res or kind of, it was a, a world renowned design um, creative agency. Um, They've, they've since shut down, but yeah, I met some amazing people there and had some great mentors um, who kind of taught me everything about coding and, and building websites. So that was a huge opportunity for me and, and spent around spent around three years there and then mm -hmm. moved on to my my last company, which was Unit 9 um, and another kind of world-renowned creative agency and, and did projects for some of the world's biggest companies there like Google, Verizon, Samsung. Um, and there was a huge kind of like startup culture in those companies. That, creative advertising it's so fast things move so quickly you're working on a new project every month or every two months um and through that i think it was actually through high res i got, I got an interview at apple in san francisco um because we we launched a job with, with two other amazing engineers i worked with amelie rosser and enrique mateus um, we launched this kind of experimental uh, webgl interactive web project and that caught the attention of a lot of people in, in the kind of creative industry and, and through that apple reached out to me and and invited me over to San Francisco for, for an interview, um, which was amazing, like a lovely treatment. They flew me over first class and, and put me up in a nice hotel. And, but going through that, I kind of, I realized that I, I do not want to work at a, a huge corporation like this. It was just, it just wasn't for me. I, I really didn't enjoy it. I didn't get off of the job anyway, but um, yeah, it wasn't for me anyway. So it just came back. I, I just knew I wanted to be in that kind of that culture, like really fast paced culture. I always wanted to start my own business, but I just didn't have that idea. Um, mm. And it's not something I wanted to push. I had these things that I worked on on the side, but never kind of really committed to them. Um, but then along came the idea for Pitch It. It's obviously changed a lot um, since its conception, but um, that was kind of the first real idea I thought had legs. And this was something I, I really felt I could commit to and, and essentially kind of quit my job and, and go into a complete life of uncertainty for. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the, the early stages and how we got to where I am, I am now today. Several different roads I could go down here. I'll start with, you mentioned uh, dropping out of uni for the first time 
and working in sales for a couple of months. I don't know if it was a kind of a telesales job, but looking back, I know you didn't enjoy it at the time. Was there anything you can look back and and, and a lesson you could take from the, the time you had there? Yeah, for sure. There was there was one guy who worked there who had just killed it. Like he he was making sales all day long, nonstop. And and it was really just just seeing him, it's just an it's an attitude. Um just positivity. He was just so positive all the time just so conversation with the people he was talking to. Whereas a lot of the old people, it was just make the call mundane, go through the same thing over and over again. But he treated every person, you know, just so much respect, so much uh, positivity. And, and just seeing that it was kind of like, you, you have to just, you have to have that energy. You have to keep that energy because you go through, you could go through a hundred calls a day and it's, it's tough, you know, it's really, really tough, but just having that mindset where you're able to keep that energy, keep that positivity. And if you're able to do that, then, you know, people will um, reflect that energy off you uh, and you'll just, you'll just mentally be better for it yourself, but you'll also be more efficient in your job and you'll have a better output at the end of the day, if you're just able to maintain that level of positivity and, and that, that good attitude. Mm. So there's these 10 years between 2012 and 2022, really, where you worked in web development across three different companies. You've, you've mentioned a few of them already. Um, you started as, and I'm reading from my screen here because I don't want to mess this up, uh, a front-end developer, and then most recently finished up as head of web development that you already said, Unit 9. Yeah. So was there anything that you... There's a statistic out there that says that a lot of people that start their own business get into it kind of in their late 30s. And they spend their their 20s and their early 30s kind of learning at the expense of other people and, and getting that experience and then going out by themselves. So a similar question to you, in that kind of decade-long experience from 2012 to 2022 and those three different roles, some individual contributor, like you're just by yourself and then others leading a team, what lessons did you learn or skills perhaps did you improve from either the individual role or the leadership role that you've carried with you to uh, pitched it today? Yeah, I think, um, I think it's been a huge help working in that, the kind of creative advertising industry because things move so fast. You've got to learn so quickly and you're just kind of thrown into uncomfortable situations where you just have to stay on your feet. You've got to swim. Um, so having that and, and the sheer pace of, of how it works, I think it's given me kind of a unique ability as an engineer to build things really fast to a high level of quality. Um, because we're building things, you know, Google might come in and say, here's a million euro. We need you to build this in a month and you have to execute. Um, because if you don't deliver, then you'll never get that client again. Um, so yeah, you, you really have to have an ability to, to think, to think about all the parts of this puzzle really quickly in, in a matter of a couple of days, plan everything out. I think organization um, is one of the biggest key things that I've, that I've gotten out of this, um, especially as a leader. If you, if you can start a project really, really organized, where you have all the pieces of the puzzle are ready to go, you've got everything ready for your team, all the tasks are set out, everybody knows what they're doing, then you can just let them go ahead and execute. Um, mm -hmm. And everything usually works pretty smoothly. As long as you're organized and everybody knows what they're doing, um, and I don't have to intervene too much. You don't want to be that person who's going in saying, are you doing this? Are you doing that right? As long as everybody has their their tasks, they know what they're going to do. They're able to execute, um, then everything usually works out very well. Um, and you just kind of sit sit in the sides and, and make sure everybody's got everything they need to to get their job done. Um, so yeah, organisation is a big one. So, 
when you look at the role of sales in, in a company, there's the individual contributor role, which could be like a sales development rep or a, or an account executive. And then there's the manager role. And the, those are two different wildly, like wildly two different roles. And management is completely different than acting as an individual contributor. So if we look at the time where you were head of web development, I'm assuming there was a team around you. Um, was there any challenges that that brought in terms of managing a team and getting the most out of them? And um, yeah. Yeah, there was huge challenges because again, like things move so fast in the industry I was in and then it was managing multiple teams as the head of web development. So we would have, you know, kind of five or six or even 10 in some, in sometimes uh, projects going on at once. Um, so I would kind of, as the head of development there, I would be, uh, there would be tech leads reporting into me. So um, kind of the, the brunt of the work was on the tech leads, but I had to make sure that those tech leads were, were getting everything done. Um, so the challenge is, is again, like it's just organization, just staying on top of things and, and understanding what each separate teams is going through at, at any specific moment and the challenges they're having, and then knowing how to kind of help them in their challenges and, and, and how to use teams kind of, um, some team might be suffering in one area and another team in, an if, in another area. So how can we help both those teams? Is there engineers we can swap around that would make sense? Um, just things like that, just staying aware of, of everybody's challenges at any certain time um, and making sure everybody has everything they need to, to kind of make, make it happen. You're the CEO and co-founder of Pitched It. Um, you'll do a much better job of explaining to the audience exactly what it is that you do. So the mic is yours. Yeah, so Pitch It um, is basically a startup community and fundraising platform. Um, so I'm co-founder, CEO, and then my uh, co-founder, Rob, who we've been best friends for 20 years. He's the uh, CEO. Um, and the company was kind of born out of a, a lack of innovation, accessibility, and efficiency within the fundraising space. Um, so there's kind of two ways of raising capital at the moment, uh, either through angels and VCs, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of months of back and forth over email, siloed information. It's an incredibly isolating process. Uh, or there's kind of equity crowdfunding as well, which also comes with, you know, major barriers to entry. I think um, acceptance rates are between 2 and 10%. And you've got to go through sometimes months oh. of legal due diligence to, to actually get onto the platform before you can, you can advertise your pitch. So that's kind of the problem. Uh, and especially for pre-seed founders, they're left with a really manual, inefficient, um, and mundane approach to fundraising. Um, so I pitched it, we're kind of really trying to build the world's most connected and productive startup community. Um, and what we do is we allow founders to kind of build a network of, of investors and mentors. So we have a kind of like a social platform where you can, you can discover people and connect with them. Unlike other crowdfunding platforms where you're just kind of, you put your pitch and then you hope this massive network of investors likes what you're doing. Um, but fundraising doesn't really work like that, especially at the early stages. Investors are investing in teams. They want to know the people. They want to know who they're investing in. So what we do is we expose the founders to a network of, of mentors and investors. And, and the founders can search that network. They can find people who have similar skill sets or, or who work in the verticals that their pitch is in. Um, and we lay them to connect and, and collaborate together. So if I understand this correctly, you've got this network that if someone owns a, a founder of a company um, is, is looking 18 months down the line and, and wants an injection of, of cash in their business, you've got this network that they can tap in to help perfect and bring the, the best pitch so that they have the best chance of getting the investment they're looking for. 
Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of one of the terms of raising on our platform. They have to go through a CRAID validation process. Mm -hmm. So we will match them with um, investors or mentors who have experience in their field. And their pitches go through this CRAID validation where they get feedback from these mentors and investors and they can act on that feedback to improve their pitch. And they also get rated uh, in a multitude of areas uh, by these investors and mentors. And in order to raise funds on the platform, you have to get at least a seven out of 10 rating on average across all areas of your pitch from at least 30 verified uh, mentors and investors. And only once you achieve that milestone can you go on to raise funds on the platform. So instead of us, the platform owners, deciding who's worthy of raising and who's not worthy mm -hmm. of raising, we um, outsource that to the community, um, who I think is a much better judge of, of deciding who's uh, worthy of raising and who's not worthy of raising. And unlike other platforms who just say yes or no, we allow anybody to join our community um, and create their pitch. And it's all about improving over time to get to that level instead of just saying no and um, without any feedback. What do I do now? They're just kind of left in the dark. And we invite everybody to join the community, start getting some feedback, start working on your pitch, start improving it and uh, work your way to get to that milestone where you're ready, where you're investable. Um, and then you can go on to raise your round. I'm sure I'm not the only one right now wondering your business model. Is it a subscription led model where people pay a, a monthly subscription to be part of the community? Is it a equity where you take a small one to 2% of the company and hope that the company is one that explodes? So there's a couple of ways. The, the main one is a commission. So if a company goes on to raise funds, we take uh, between two and 7% fee from that company um, of the successful raise. But we also take from the investor side, we take 5% carry from the investors. So yes, hopefully the business at the end of the day does do very well. And um, so we will get a, a payout from, from that uh, carry from the investors. Mm -hmm. But the main chunk comes from the commissions. What's it like working with your best mate? I love it. It's brilliant. Yeah. A lot of people say like, don't go into business with your friends, but I think I mean, especially because we're best friends, we've been best friends for 20 years. We've got a, a unique perspective on each other and how we, how we behave, what we're good at, what we're not, not good at. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been fantastic. I kind of conceptualized this just about a year ago now, just over a year ago. Um, and then Rob came on board last August. Um, and that was a huge for me. I was a solo founder for, for six or so months. And I thought I could do it as a solo founder, but quickly learned that this is not going to work. So I started looking for founders and Unfortunately, Love Rob got wind of what I was doing and, and made a few hints at me. Um, uh, and I kind of didn't get it at first. I thought he was just joking, but it took him a few times to say, you know, if you're looking for somebody. Um, yeah. So eventually I, I realized, and then we had a conversation and, and I was more than happy for him to come on board because I trust him, um, trust him with everything. Um, so yeah, I was so happy to get him on board and, and the, the rate of work, the rate of progress shifted dramatically from when he came on board and especially because he's got a huge background in sales he spent the last seven years at, at salesforce in a commercial mm -hmm. role working with startups as well so um and that's not why my, my area of expertise so to have him come on board was massive for us um, and he's helped really drive the business forward really really get us in front of a lot of people and um, so yeah i love working with him we we've got a little office together on pier street which is great um, another thing i love i love remote work i've been remote working for the last six years and um, but i I much prefer working with somebody person to person. Um, and I feel like a lot of people who have gone fully remote will get a shock in a few years because I've been fully remote and, and you really start to yearn for that kind of social connection uh, through a workplace that you just don't get over Zoom. I, I, I've worked with friends in, in the past before my previous business, Don't Paint Seagulls, was, was with a friend for four years. But at the moment I'm working with my father and the question I have for you here is, Having been working with friends and now working with my dad, one of the difficulties is um, not switching off, but when you're around others that 
you've got friends that I'm assuming you are connected with together that are not involved in the business that you are in. Likewise, I've got my dad, but my mom and my girlfriend and my brothers and sisters are not involved in the business. So it's when we're together with other people, how do you switch off and not talk about business? Is that something that you're still trying to find a balance on? Yeah, for sure. We, we, we always do end up talking a lot about business when we're, you know, in a big group of friends and, and me and Rob are together. But um, yeah, it's, it's, to be honest, it's not something I try to, to be better at. Um, I, it's kind of difficult when you're a startup founder because you're obsessed with your business. It's, it's what you're so passionate about. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like you don't want to switch off because, because I love talking about it. I, I get so much enjoyment out of it. It's, it's, it's what I live and breathe at the moment. Um, so I don't feel like it's, it's detrimental at the moment, but um, I'm sure my wife will, will tell me if, if, it, if it starts to become detrimental and, and then I'll take a look at it. But yeah, we, we generally, if we're together, we talk about the business, but you know, it's, it's kind of, you're having a few points that after a few points, you just kind of, you start thinking about the business and then you start chatting to other people as well. Mm. Has anyone ever told you you look like a younger Colin Farrell? <laughs> Lots. I regret saying that now. <laughs> a few times. Not in the last few years, to be, to be fair. But uh, yeah, when I was a little bit younger and had, uh, had more hair, yeah. I, see, I, I saw your body language once I asked that and I was like, oh no. Um, <laughs> so let's fast forward 18 months and the business is, is established uh, more than it is today. I want to talk around your uh, attain strategy. And what I mean by that is attaining new logos uh in in the business how do you do that is it is it you're pumping money into marketing is it through net, uh, attending networking events and 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 setting up meetings on the other end of that um is it through referrals from a uh catalog of connections yourself and rob have built up over the last two decades when you look outwards and let's say you've got a goal that you want to achieve in 18 months where you want to have acquired four new logos on, on the platform and you want to have 10 new investors that people can tap into. How do you go about attaining them? Yeah, so we, we haven't really spent any money on marketing to date. Um, it's kind of all been through LinkedIn outreach. Um, and yeah, like you said, attending events, which has been a big one for us. We, we attended Web Summit um, last November. And that was that was really big for us because it's kind of our entire target market at, at the event. Yeah. So we talked to a huge amount of people there, which is really kind of tiring. Um, there's like sixty thousand people there, and, and you're talking to as many people as you can over the over the three or four days. So we met a lot of people there. We actually met our first investor there, which was fantastic. Um, a Brazilian fund from our ventures, um, and super nice guy. And yeah, we met a lot of investors there. We met a lot of other founders there. Um. So that was huge. Uh, attending events is a big one. We're actually pitching at the IBAN um, event in Cork in, in, in next month. Um, so that's attended by a huge amount of angel investors as well. So that should be huge for us. So yeah, at the, at the moment, it's just been attending events and LinkedIn outreach. Um, and it's been working pretty well. Like we've got around 180 uh, users on the platform, predominantly all um, angel and retail investors. There's a few founders there as well. Um, and, and yeah, we, we're hoping to do our first raise now in the next few months a really exciting um, company and we've got a few other companies in the pipeline as well like founders express a huge interest in what we're doing i think um it's tough because we're a marketplace and we've got three sides of the coin we've got founders mentors and investors um, and we haven't had any kind of issues getting drumming up excitement from founders they they really see the value in what we're doing and they really want to be involved in it um, but now it's really just getting that other side of the marketplace getting the, the investors and the mentors um, and that's going to be through i think mostly through word of mouth, through us getting interest from investors and them speaking to their networks 
Um, and I think that's going to be the most fruitful approach for us. Cold outreach is, is hard and it's slow. You, you might get, you know, speak to 100 people, you might get one or two or three or four that sign up. But if you can like get a, one investor really excited about what you're doing, they'll go out to their network and tell all their friends about what you're doing. So I think that's been the most fruitful, fruitful for us, um, really getting a few key people really excited about what you're doing and then letting them spread the word. Um, and that's, that's the best approach for us. The, yeah, the beauty of investors is they've got a, a close-knit community of other investors. And when something is the new hot thing on town, they'll tell others. And that's how your word will, will, will spread. Um, what's the biggest challenge you face at the moment? Is it getting more investors on board? Yeah, for sure. That's our biggest challenge at the moment. Um, just just speaking to investors, speaking to as many as we can and, and getting them signed up. It's, it's tough because the investors want to see deal flow on the platform. Um, and founders want to see investors on the platform so you're kind of you're fighting with both of that so it's 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 yeah, yeah kind of getting trying to get the investors excited before we can reveal you know some deal flow for them which is tricky um, and it's been tricky but yeah we're hoping with the first pitch that goes live in the next couple of months that's going to be a big splash for us and, and we'll do a lot of marketing around that as well and um, so we're hoping that'll be a big driver of getting uh, a lot of investors onto the platform I imagine if you had a ton of founders ready, bursting at the seams, the, the investors, you, you potentially catch more of their attention. And the only reason, and this is me sprinting from the top of my head, you, you mentioned Web Summit as a, as a place where all these kind of uh, young founders are. Um, I'm, 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 I'm sure they're at these dog patch labs. They've got offices there. They're at the WeWorks. They're at the Republic of Work down in Cork and going and giving talks in these places of what you guys do and then getting the attention of the founders and then going to the investors and saying, we've got tons of these founders ready to go. Like, do you want yeah. access to them? Yeah, for sure. We're actually speaking with the, the new frontiers program um, in the next few weeks at IDT. So obviously through Rob went to IDT and did the same course as me, hmm. he was fortunate enough to finish it. Um, so we've, uh, yeah, lined up a meeting with them, with the new, new frontiers out of the media cube there. So we'll go and speak with them and, and hopefully run a, a type of pilot program through them. Um, and then, yeah, once once we're finished that, then hopefully we can speak to other New Frontiers programs across the country um, and start drumming up interest for founders through that. And then, yeah, like you said, once we can go to invest and say, we've got all these companies ready to go, um, there should be more interest. But uh, yeah, we just have to have that liquidity on the platform first because we can't put a, a founder up there. We can't put two founders up there unless we know there's enough liquidity mm-hmm. for the investors to, to fill that round. Is there a tool you use in, in your day-to-day business life that you can't live without? Um, Google. We use Google everything, Google Sheets, Docs, um, Google Meet, yeah, um, and it's free. So it's, it's huge for us. Mm. If you were the Minister for Education and your job was to bring in one new mandatory subject to the curriculum that's not currently on it, what subject would you bring in and why? Yeah, it's been a long time since I've been in school, so I'm not sure what's on the current curriculum. But um, obviously, being in love with computers, there was there was absolutely no focus on computers when I was in school, and pre-computer program just wasn't a subject at all in school. And I think it's such a valuable thing for for a child to learn, like the, the kind of mindset, the the logic, and, and and everything that goes into programming is just so valuable. And um, so I would love to see uh, programming. It could be now, I'm not sure, but I would love to see programming on the curriculum as a real subject in school because. It's a it's a it's a it's a real career and it's one of the most well paid careers out there. So I, I wouldn't understand why it's not on the curriculum. But yeah, mm-hmm. definitely computer programming. Scott, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. The co-founder and CEO of Pitched It. 
Um, I wish you nothing but continued success going forward. But thanks for being my guest today. And I'll leave links below to your LinkedIn, Rob's LinkedIn, your website, anything else you want me to throw in. If there's any events coming up, just ping me a message and we'll put it in the comment field. But for now, thanks again for being a guest and wish you continued success. Thanks a million, Rain. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.